0: Welcome to Oracle Cloud World. My name's Steve Bose. I'm with Trish McFarland. Trish, how are you?
1: I'm good, Steve. Good to see you in person.
0: It is good to see you as well. We are super excited for our series of shows we'll be doing here at Cloud World and no better to kick it off, Trish, than friend of the show, friend of ours. Chris Havrilla
2: is with us in person. In person. She's the VP of talent product strategy at Oracle. Chris, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. This is awesome. It's been a minute. It has been. Well, like, well, what, but, a couple days? Not you. Right but now. No. We're just doing this together.
1: Like, that's true. It's been a minute. That's true. Yeah. But you know what? Steve's right. We needed to kick off with you because, obviously, you've been with Oracle, um, what, about six months yeah. now? Is that right? Exactly. And, and you have such a good perspective on not just... Oracle, but on you know the, the digital transformation and HR transformation journey that many organizations are going through from your time sort of pre-Oracle. So I think this will be a great way to kick things off. And hopefully we can dig deep on some of the trends that you've been seeing both before yeah. and after joining Oracle.
2: I love it. I love it.
0: So Chris, you're seeing lots of customers, you're traveling around the world. Before we turn the recording on, you were regaling us with your itinerary over the next like six to 12 months, which is ridiculous. Like, yes. what, what are some of the things you're hearing from the organizations that you're working closely with about yeah. their
2: challenges, their talent challenges, their people challenges? What's What's in the air these days? You know, it was really interesting coming out of Deloitte where I was researching, right, all of the tech landscape, uh, you know, as the analysts like you guys are, but also, you know, studying what the customers were doing and what they were applying, how they were applying things, what they were buying, why they were buying it. Um, And so did that full tech strategy work, right, and all the human capital trends that we did. So when I came here, it was fascinating to be able to go and meet with customers, and but also work with our partners to do these CHRO roundtables and literally traveling around the world and seeing how much of what we studied is actually what's happening and what's holding people back from getting maybe the outcomes that, that they were getting with whatever they were using. So it was great to be able to meet with customers and non-customers. And the thing I have found, uh, probably more than anything, is this enormous amount of pain that people are dealing with as they try to kind of move forward. They went to the cloud, maybe didn't get everything that they had expected out of it, and now looking to try to move to being skills, you know, driven organizations or to really focus on employee experience. And the whole track around skills and employee experience has been fascinating because everybody has a different definition of that. And we saw that when we studied the market back, you know, when I was at Deloitte, but I saw it really strong when I was out and talking with people because everybody wanted to focus on experience. Everybody wanted to think about moving to skills-based organizations, but just weren't sure how. And because everybody was talking a different language internally and externally, they were really struggling with what to do. And like we've seen in the past, so many people buy tech first, and then, you know, kind of back into solving instead of starting with outcomes first, and then trying to kind of look at their tech stack holistically. So that was that was probably the biggest aha for me, is, is that the struggle was real and what was actually behind it. And to be able to just kind of dig in with customers and, and figure that out was fascinating
1: well i'm glad you're validating that that struggle is there because i think when you are a practitioner you know, you're not buying technology every day. The three yeah. of us are exposed to this regularly. So it seems maybe simplistic. Oh. Um, that these digital transformations are are pretty easy to happen and that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit more about that skills piece? Because, you know, people who are listening, they might not be in organizations yeah. that are really taking that skills-based approach. They might've heard about it, but yeah. could you maybe define that a little bit for them? Absolutely. And, and say, you know, if you're not doing it, you're you're not necessarily behind, it's just where things are going.
2: Yeah, you're definitely not behind, I will tell you that, right? Because there's a lot of talk and then the action is really just starting to happen. So if I went, I'll start by going back to the the trends, right? Because I saw for a long time, right? There were trends kind of moving, you know, to to having this kind of whether it's a best of breed approach or a lot of point solutions and and everything. And I see this kind of pendulum um coming back towards more integrated solutions. And I think the reason why is because of the complexities of, you know, kind of going to a skills-driven organization, because it lays across everything, all your kind of core, uh, your, your core systems. So when I talk about skills, we're just talking about hard skills, like what people actually need uh, to get their job done right away. Right. And because I think you have to start there before you can get to where you really have to get to, which is around capabilities. And we, at Deloitte, we called them enduring heaping capabilities, but it was, you know, a little bit more about what's going to allow me to learn a skill quickly and easily if we're moving, you know, across like, and things are changing and evolving all the time. So, um, I'll, I'll kind of, lay that groundwork there and then and then step back and say, okay, but why why skills, right? And why do we want to start capturing these things? And why are, why is this all the, the talk? And the average shelf life of a skill right now is about 18 to 24 months. So you hear a lot of executives talking about, we've got to reskill, we've got to upskill. They still don't actually know to what, like if you say, okay, what do you, to what? And they really don't know. And that is the crux of the problem. Right. We've been making business and talent decisions for so long based on jobs and roles. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Um, The organization of the enterprise, typically, right, is around jobs and hierarchies, jobs, job
2: families, hierarchies, job codes. But I mean, even as a worker, we have traditionally self-identified as a job. I'm a nurse. I'm a teacher. I'm a software engineer. I'm a project manager, whatever it is. Right. Um, So you've got everybody kind of thinking in jobs and roles. Meanwhile, things have changed so much in worker behavior, candidate behavior, um, you know, how companies get work done in organizations. You think about, like, somebody leaves an organization, they're probably doing the work of two to three people. Like, this notion of kind of hybrid, how do you replace that person, right, Mm -hmm. without knowing what the work is? So, but because we've been making all these business and talent decisions for, like probably since the second industrial revolutions on jobs and roles, we don't really know what skills are actually required. Most job descriptions came out of some comp database, right? (laughs) Doesn't really tell you what the work is or what you have to do to get it done. Well, and they're
1: rarely updated, right? I mean, when you're in HR, often you're just pulling something that you pulled off Google that was maybe 10, 12,
2: 15 years
1: old. So So we got to to create
2: a common language around this, right? And so if you look at new work, you know that are kind of coming and we've talked about the future of work for so long but you know how that kind of comes to fruition is you know we've been seeing kind of work becoming more of a marketplace right an exchange for skills and capabilities for the enterprise needs of an organization so as you as you think about that if skills are kind of the the common language around there we've got to collect that. So where do we collect that? And it's got to be in the systems, but we have to be kind of talking the same language. So that's probably the new building blocks, but we've got to be able to capture it. And then we need to be able to keep that like somebody's, profile, you know, um, kind of hydrated with all these skills as they're changing, like that. as people are learning, like, how does that keep getting updated? And what are the ways? What's in it for people? How many different ways can that happen? And so I think that's kind of at the crux of this is creating a language around it, that everybody's speaking, but from a data and technology level, how do we bring insights to all those people? Right. Insights and value to a worker, to a manager, to a leader, to HR. Whoever's going to be solving for this, which is all of them, right? <laughs> which is all of them. So how do we, as like a vendor, give insights and value to all those people to make better decisions? So it's not on a job and role. It's on skills and capabilities for the work that's being done.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of this, um, this transformation that you're talking about, Chris has been uh forcibly uh we've right. been it's been accelerated yeah right over the last couple of years due to pandemic primarily right. right and most organizations having to undergo pretty significant to extremely significant transformations in their methods of working their right. ways of organization the ways to deliver yep. right products and services to their customers yep. and I think we're finally just now reckoning maybe mm-hmm. with what those changes have meant to. How we uh how we perceive or how we plan for the organization right. moving forward, right? right? Because I think the the one as you were talking, Chris, the yeah. two words I wrote down were agility and kind of fluidity, right? Right. When you when you talked about a person leaving the organization, probably yep. doing the the job of three different people in in, in the in form or structure. Right. Right. I think a lot of that was driven by necessity and by yep. need, but also by uh we heard it this morning in the keynote and some of the customers were talking about their their need to just rapidly adjust, right? right. To adjust market conditions and yep. and support their own customers. Yep. And uh, rethinking
1: employee interest too, I think, which maybe exactly. wasn't captured in the past as easily. So
2: I it's think good. For I love that you said agility and fluidity, though, because I do think that it, those are critical things for people to think about. So, and maybe just to release them from the the pressure of complete transformation because I think it gets a little overwhelming and we kind of fall back to kind of incremental change where we're comfortable. So, you know, trying to reframe this with our customers to how do you kind of absorb change? And as it's happening, because it's happening all the time, whether it's a new leader, a new business initiative, you know, a change in business structures, um, pandemic, (laughs) whatever, right? You can't, it's very hard to just be like, okay, I've got to transform now right? So how do you absorb change, which I think is at the heart of agility and fluidity is as things are changing, how do you kind of adjust, absorb the change really, instead of just transforming? How do you absorb that change and still stay focused on those outcomes, right? And and do that with speed and scale and and and, and with insights, right? So you're making intelligent decisions. And I think that's kind of the pressure that we feel right as a as a vendor trying to develop software and and tools and data and insights for people so they can do that. That you know that onus I think is on us to help companies do that and again, kind of provide the insights and value to whoever right so that they can stay focused on outcomes because I think that we're not in an input process output world anymore. We've got to focus on outcomes and 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 understand that if we're kind of living in the world of probabilities and not certainties anymore he or she who asks the best questions wins so how do we give people insights to make those decisions and take the action to get to outcomes and i think that's huge and uh and i know that that's behind the strategy as we look at you know how do we develop products where do we invest it's got to be around that mm-hmm. and how do we help customers do that
1: yeah i'd love to hear your perspective on maybe from a generational perspective. So we've talked a lot about kind of the trends and and what we need to do as leaders. And that's primarily... Probably, what sort of the end of the Boomers, the Gen X, and now Millennials right right, are are in these leadership positions. But obviously, these approaches are pretty radically different. And we're now the people who might be a little stagnant in our way of thinking. You know, I'm I'm certainly that way sometimes. You know, you you sort of we're raised in a different environment, a different work environment, right? So, what are you seeing and hearing from customers in terms of as they're hiring? You know. Um, Gen Z into the workplace, mm-hmm. they are much more open to an agile work environment of, of skills-based work environment. Yeah. Are you seeing that sort of hit the organizations yet? Or is that still just kind of, is that the future of work, right? Is that kind of still in the future for us all?
2: I, I think it's it's more in the future. And some of the mindset issues are really more in organizations and less with the different generations. Because I think what we you know what we are trying to develop for are you know the fact that we do have five generations right so in a world where we can and should hyper personalize but do it at scale right it's it's easy to do that it doesn't really matter you know what generation somebody is in mm-hmm. right if we structure this right and focus on people's outcomes and how we help support them to get those outcomes I mean, I don't know who, I don't care what generation you are. If somebody's focused on making you, you know, or unlocking your performance and potential, helping you get the outcomes, be connected to the work and what you're doing and to be successful, then I'm not really sure that matters. That may look different ways. But at the end of the day, if we're going to keep talking about employee experience, you know, and hyper personalization and the rise of the individual, right? We still have to do it at scale, right? And so, and I do think that at the heart of experience, the things we've heard for years, regardless of, you know, regardless of generation is people aren't listening. My manager, you know, is, you know, like these are the big variances that we've seen is that employee manager relationship, um, you know, being communicated to and having that trust, Um, And, and just being able to have at your, you know, that ability to have a work environment that is right for you. Right. And, and so when we looked at how Oracle Me came to fruition, right, a lot of it was to do exactly that. This has to be worker centric tech. So it has to be ones that will help you hyper personalize and do it at scale. And then you don't have to like, okay, for this generation, we'll do this. And this generation will do this. And this generation will do this. And everybody's kind of coming at it from a different way. But if we learn how to kind of be flexible with that, we win.
0: Chris, I, I'm glad you mentioned Oracle Me. For folks who don't know, mm-hmm. it's uh, maybe best described as kind of an ex- employee experience platform right. of solutions, a collection of capabilities yep. that all work together very, very, Smoothly and they uh, they build upon one one another. It was the top product of yep. the year from HR executive in yep. this past year, uh, which was pretty exciting. We actually did, uh, Trish. You were somewhere traveling around the world. I did a a show with Chris Leone. We talked about Me right, right. for. Yep a good half an hour. So folks can look that one up as well. And we've
1: done some papers and writing about that as well, right? We we have.
0: have, Yeah. And and that sort of, is like, I'm going to use that to springboard into (laughs) another question I had for you, Chris, which is, and I I won't lead with my bias, which like people (laughs) who listen to the show know what it is, but I left HR tech. We had the HR tech conference here in the U S about a month ago now. And I even felt like a little bit, Confused and slightly overwhelmed exactly. with what 's going on in the h r technology landscape it's, it's getting so complicated it is right, and particularly we talk about skills for a little bit mm-hmm. uh, around skills yeah. and where skills and identification of skills and yeah. skills mapping should reside mm-hmm. where this there's this notion out there of something called the talent intelligence yep. platform and you can, everybody can just try to describe what that is and good luck, but that's <laughs> out there now. It was talked about a lot at HR tech. Yeah. And so here's my question. I feel like if I were a CHRO or an HR leader yeah. at a maybe midsize, certainly to an enterprise size yeah. organization, I'd be pretty confused right now yeah. about... Where should my skills reside? Where should my AI be right. influencing my decisions on yeah. talent, et cetera et cetera? I'd love for you to maybe share some thoughts either back as in your researcher hat yeah. or your current your current role in, in talent strategy at Oracle about hey how do how do I help right. h yeah. r leaders and h r organizations make sense of what I feel like
2: anyway personally It's right. a very confusing marketplace yeah it it really is confusing, and I spent the you know kind of the last two years studying that that specific market pretty deeply, right? It was, you know, whether it was talent, I'll just use talent marketplaces and mobility because there's mm-hmm. a few approaches in there that, um, you know, that we saw studying that whole landscape and then certainly a little bit deeper into the skills, you know, skills, tech and analytics, because that crosses everything also. So does skills. So does, to your point, that's what makes it confusing. We're kind of used to thinking in talent acquisition systems, talent like management systems we you know, we're all, we're all in our silos, right? And and even experience, same, same thing. These things sit across all of those different silos, right? So it's been interesting and confusing because the people coming into the markets certainly have same H&M platforms that are going to play there because they do have the system of record and they do kind of have all these core modules, but you also see talent acquisition tech coming into the marketplace and skills place, right? Mm -hmm. You've got talent, you know, management type systems coming in, you've got kind of peer plays, and you've got learning system vendors coming into that, that space, right? So it's at the end of the day, though, it has to cross all of that, right? So how you integrate the interfaces, the things, how that gets put together, is what is most critical. Because if you know, regardless of which angle you come in, you still need to have all of it, right? You still need to have, you know, um, skills are going to be threaded through that entire employee life cycle, right? Uh, yeah. Before somebody's hired, when they're hired, you know, while they're with you after, you know, so you have to have that kind of crossing everything. So maybe I think that's what's caused a lot of confusion in the marketplace. So the more that it can leverage all of those, and not just in those different siloed areas, the better right? Um, And I do think that that's the other side of it is because HR is not used to managing interfaces and integrations, So you do have to kind of pay attention to that. But it's like that for experience. It's like that for skills. It's like that for talent marketplaces, because an employee's experience touches all of those things. So I would just tell most people, so regardless of where it's coming from, how those things play in, if you want to get the advantage of things like AI, because what AI learns from is that data. So if the data is in a lot of disparate systems or if it's all in one, um, regardless, it needs all that yeah. to help all the different stakeholders, right? Which is the worker, the manager, a leader, and HR, because mm-hmm. it's got to serve all of them, right. right? To bring those insights and value to them, to to kind of solve for everything that we're trying to solve for with that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Great answer. Um, I want to change gears a little bit and a lot of what we heard on stage in the keynotes sort of was touching on sustainability, yep. if you will, from from some of your customers. But one thing we didn't talk about in the keynote was people sustainability. Mm-hmm. And I know that's been sort of a an emerging topic, right? Thinking about not just well being, but just the overall mm-hmm. overarching yeah. idea. Of having people sustainability, right. could you maybe touch a little bit on that, both from what you had seen prior to yeah. joining Oracle, and then also how is Oracle thinking about sort of helping HR
2: leaders and other business leaders with people sustainability? Absolutely, I think you know, there's a, a big key there is is data and insights, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to be able to to kind of you know understand what's happening so that we can so that we can help, right? So. I think what we studied at Deloitte, right, was this notion of well-being being about work design, right? That you could have all the perks and benefits and, you know, different initiatives and programs to kind of play around the well-being space. And they do make an impact on employee experience, but they don't actually make an impact on unlocking potential performance of that employee, connecting them to the work and their ability to make an impact. And thus the organizational performance, right? The impact that this would have on organizational performance. So there's literally billions of dollars being spent, but only a small play in the employee experience side, but not on the uh, the performance of potential individual team and organization. So kind of with that, you know, in mind, it's like how do we make work better for people and people better at work, right? And so systems, I think, traditionally have been the work, right? Mm-hmm. So... In the last 20 years, you've seen all of this innovation, all of this tech, but yet productivity has stayed kind of static, right. if not gone down. And then we saw a huge rise after the pandemic, and then it started to go down again. And I think the biggest thing that you could kind of extrapolate from that is we lived in command and control worlds, and people were throwing technology at people, and it was becoming the work. It wasn't helping them work better. Right. And so it was it was really kind of fascinating to watch. I mean, you saw that spike. You're going the one thing that was different is that people had the ability to figure out how to work. They weren't being told they weren't following a process map. They just had to get stuff done. Right. And so they knew what they had to do, why they had to do it, and they got it done. And then we started to try to bring people back and we started to try to get control again. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and you could hear it in the way people were asking for, you know, we need to kind of see what people are doing and you know, what's the employee monitoring. I mean, you, you know, you saw a lot of questions being asked and I think it was trying to get that control back. And I think if we're trying to do work design for well being, we're letting people have that kind of uh, that kind of onus. But in, in terms of how we think about that for, you know, for how we're investing in, in products. Okay. How do we support that? How do we support an employee manager relationship? One of my favorite products within the uh, Oracle me is touch points mm-hmm. for that because it is literally about changing the dynamic of the employee manager relationship and to root that in, how are you doing, right? How are things going? And if that person, that one question, we can kind of track, right, how they're doing. And then now the manager's focus is to getting that sentiment up. What's in your way? What's happening? Is it work? Is it home? What, you know, whatever it is, getting a pulse on how that person is doing and making that weekly check-in about that. Yeah, That's unlocking somebody's performance and potential and getting focused on their outcomes. And it's simple, but it could change behaviors. And yeah. And, change and, and
0: I think searches. the key word there is simple, yeah. right? Because that technology does not have to be that complex. And there are technologies out there, right? There are There are point solutions out there for uh, the pulse surveys yeah. and, and the kind of managing that employee-employer yeah. uh, relationship and, and manager-employee relationship. And they're great. They're pretty cool. We've used some of them probably ourselves and worked with some of those folks. I think sometimes, yeah, I think sometimes we overcomplicate that and and getting back to that, hey, how are you doing? How are things? How can I help you? They're pretty, pretty basic questions. And if you can kind of encourage folks to start having those conversations more, you can start making some progress on this. Because one of the other things we mentioned right before the, before the pandemic and has gotten worse through the pandemic is just this, it's probably a crisis, right? A a mental health crisis, right? Totally. workers certainly here in the United States, but I think a lot of other places in the world as well. And I think sort of the good economic times that most advanced economies were experiencing prior to the pandemic allowed organizations to just paper that over. Didn't really have to think about it too much because times were pretty good. Mm -hmm. Most many organizations were doing very well, right? 2019 things were pretty, I don't know. I remember it being pretty good time, right. In most of the business world and in, I think uh, we can't ignore those things any longer, we right? Because Business we do leaders, have too. to
2: sustain our people. Even if the markets are coming down and it may change the dynamic, you know, in in how people are hiring and how people are taking, it doesn't really matter. If we're focused on sustaining our teams and our people, we've got to root it in something that's around action, right? And it's not about just pulse surveys. It's about what can I do for that? Talk about hyper-personalization. Mm-hmm. But if we're arming everybody with this one question to kind of say, how... How are things going? We can get at what we can do to help people. Yeah, I like and that's you're saying that. That's sustainability at scale.
1: I think that's what you have to really break it down to is that no. it's how do you give someone sustenance yep. what makes them feel cared for exactly. and actually loved in the workplace mm-hmm. right and we've talked about it for many many decades but i think that's probably one good outcome of the pandemic right. is you feel more comfortable to ask your team members yep. how are you actually doing right. like on a personal level and, and they yeah, might tell you regular level, right and they might tell right. you they're they're fine or they might tell you yeah. oh we're not comfortable talking about whatever but at least uh, but you thing, know but at least you're asking the question you're which is asking your the
2: question right? and so that focus is yeah. on somebody and, and the last
0: thing I'll throw out there I'm sorry yeah. you know, the, no, no, there's huge value in having those capabilities yes. and the, those kind of resources available mm-hmm. in those systems yes. that also have the yes. employee profile exactly. and the employee skills inventory yes. and access to learning and development right. content access to support resources access to your benefits exactly there's huge
2: value in having that everything to make those together. connections exactly and, and
1: pause on that because those support resources I don't think we've talked enough about that. I actually was talking with someone about a week ago, and they were saying, you know, well, we have not you know, EAP. Well- Yes, we've had that for a long time, but it doesn't mean that you're actually giving care and concern to your employees who are actually struggling in one way or another, right? And so what you're talking about is having it embedded in the yeah. system to, if I'm a manager, I might not know how to fix that person's problem, but now I have at my fingertips where to go and get that information instead of just calling HR and be like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And
2: tracking it, right, on okay. a weekly or biweekly basis to make sure they're getting the help that they need. And maintaining the privacy yes. through the system exactly. as well,
1: right, which is what's always yeah. made. Made employees hesitant to come to HR or to their leader because they didn't want to be seen as someone who couldn't do their job. Exactly. And now I think it's flipped because of the technology supporting the people yes. in a different way.
0: Exactly. So yeah, good. we we do need to let Chris go. We do. I, we do. Well, we do know one of the things we've learned at these big events at Oracle Cloud World uh, is someone like Chris. Is kept running around like a crazy person. I remember those days. 72 hours. So we do want to thank her for joining us today. We'll have to have her back on the show in a few months just to check in from the road or something. Last thing, Chris, I want before I let you go, you. There's a little bit of a glow to you. I've hadn't seen you in a little while and I think it could be because your Georgia Bulldogs are the number one team in the country if you record this. It is. Would you it like is. to say anything exactly. about that? I would before like that to say go
2: dogs. And uh Steve and I have a long storied frenemy Rivalry relationship around this. And um and there have definitely been uh, events that we've been at when I've been on the other side of it. <laughs> Not many, sadly for me. <laughs> but uh yes, the the glow is for real and, and uh we're back at number one, so
1: I thought her glow was from seeing go Flan Rouge dog. with me that for our that was, that was our birthday I feel like that's still it's still a little bit of a glow from <laughs> all, all of the uh, things in Paris.
0: It could be both. So, uh, Chris Tabrella, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Uh, BP Talent Product Strategy at Oracle. Uh, folks can go to oracle.com slash HCM for more details. I'm telling you, I have, I have some experience with Oracle as an employee in the past. So I'm a, I'm a little bit biased, but I'm not biased about this the the more you can simplify your approach to your technology strategy the more you can consolidate capabilities under one one platform uh, the better off you're going to be in the long run I absolutely believe that whether you're a small customer yes. using other types of products whether you're a medium size or a large customer or an enterprise customer using Oracle products makes yes. so much sense yeah. for organizations to do that my so last, that's my advice
1: my last big thing I bought when I was a practitioner was Oracle and yeah. that's what they helped me do they helped me consolidate everything from all the disparate systems and we even
0: maybe, maybe later on some of the other shows in the series we'll talk yeah. a little bit about a supply chain and finance absolutely. and ERP really there's cool. huge, huge huge, huge value there yeah. huge and, you know, with that I, better
2: together and there was a reason I I'd, I'd love
0: to talk about that as well. So Chris right. Avella, thank you so much. Great to see you. Thanks. Have a great rest of the event. Absolutely. Trish, good to see you. You
2: as well. We'll
0: see you later as we record a series of our shows here at Oracle Cloud World.
1: That's right.
0: All right. So everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our friends at Oracle for having us here. Uh, that's it for the uh, HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bose. We will see you next time. And bye for now.